Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hello. How is everybody doing today? This is the Tech Cat Show. And I'm very excited to be here today to talk about some of the trends that are going to be bubbling up in 2020. Throughout the year, we focus on a variety of technology trends. And there's nothing more exciting than early January where we all descend upon the Consumer Electronics Show, which is happening in Las Vegas. And every year at this time, I invite my partner on the tours, Jeanette DePatty, who is also known as the Tech Explainer to come and share some of the trends that we're going to be experiencing at the Consumer Electronics Show that will um, really be involving us all year long, and then we'll be digging into them as, as they occur. So let's have a big Tech Cat welcome, ladies and gentlemen, for Jeanette DePatty, the Tech Explainer. Yay! Hello, I'm bowing. <laughs> yeah, welcome back to the show. The crowd goes wild. So again, the crowd goes wild. So what? What? Um, what? What's happening this year with CES? Give us a give us a sense of what's going on. We usually talk about five sort of you know macro trends. So so where where what are we looking at? Well, I think the overall trend, the Uber trend, is is what I'm calling the digital mashup, because it's the idea that in the past we would talk about verticals like. AI, or we would talk about autonomy, or we would talk about voice control, and we would talk about these things as separate, but now the key technologies combine all of these things together in one. So we're really going to talk more about how people use these technologies as opposed to different ways of implementing technologies. So that's kind of different this year in terms of how we're exploring on the floor. Yeah, I love that um, that idea of, of, of a mashup. And it is becoming harder and harder to say, this is about AI, this is about 5G, this, this is about virtual humans, whatever it is. It's getting harder to separate things out. Yeah, because I think we're finding that the new things that are coming out are using at least three or four of the top technologies together. And it's that mashup that makes these new things, these new experiences possible. So what, what, um, what inside of, of that, you know, knowing that there's a mashup, is really going to be dramatically different this year? Well, I think we're going to see some really interesting new things in health. Um, we've seen this IoT explosion over the last couple of years, and now I'm calling it the internist of things because... Uh, wearable trackers are really becoming a part of healthcare. So we're already seeing medical devices uh, like Fitbit that are, are tracking things about our heart rate. But what we're going to see is constant monitoring used in other ways, like measuring your blood pressure all the time or constant glucose monitoring for people with diabetes. And I think that we're going to also find that as this data flows in, we're going to find new ways to diagnose medical problems than ever before. And that kind of flows into this idea of doctor data, right? Because big data has always been around, but now with AI and, and super fast processing, we're finding ways to utilize this data in a different way um, in terms of 
diagnosing problems, in terms of finding cures for things, but also in terms of uh, personalizing healthcare for individual people. Now, of course, we've got to be careful because uh, cybercrime is is an issue, and health data is one of the key sort of arenas that has been designated a danger area for uh, cybercrime. So we're going to have to continue to work to secure that data, especially as IoT becomes a more important part of medicine. Um, are, are, are you seeing? Sorry, are you seeing consumers be aware of their own data in in the healthcare space? You know, it, it's it's an uphill battle. Uh, I know that just this year, um, the FBI has suggested that people put their IoT devices on a completely different network than the rest of their uh, internet and and communications data. Um, which, you know, on one hand seems like it would be very safe. On the other hand, I don't know how many people are aware of that suggestion or are going to take those kinds of uh, measures to protect their data. I mean, we can't even get them to change the password from 0000. So I think we've got to wait for the general consumer understands the, the sensitive nature of that data. It's funny because I always talk about that, the default with default, and that um, none of us are changing the default settings when we bring something into our house. Um, I mean, it's it's so embedded that we don't even necessarily register, oh, this is collecting data about me, about all the devices. We have so many of them now. Yeah, it's it's true, and, and they're not all working in synchronicity, so um, that's the other thing. Because I've um, recently, I recently went to two different sort of hospital groups to handle different health issues, and they were each asking for the other's data, but there was no way to share it across their e-health solutions. That is absolutely true. And I think a big sort of non-consumer area that we're going to see a big shift is uh, there are a number of companies out there designed to help healthcare systems sort of dedupe and and clean up their own databases, but also make it easier for them to communicate with other medical databases. Uh, because, they, you know, so often Dr. A doesn't know what Dr. B is doing. Yeah, and Dr. A is sometimes more expensive or hard to book, too. Anyway, that's... <laughs> Um, and, and in terms of like how this technology is also spilling out into other parts of healthcare, what do you see happening there? Well, I think we're seeing uh, issues about medical compliance, especially among millennials. They're not necessarily really great at um, taking their meds on time and when they're supposed to. And it's, it's sort of millennials and senior citizens are in the same group. And we're seeing that reminder services like Alexa are now uh, teaming up with systems that can help people remember when to take their meds and also monitoring systems to help, you know, for the sandwich generation, they're caring for older parents and they're caring for kids. And so we're using these monitoring systems to help keep track of that. Um, Speaking of tracking in in the fitness area, there's a lot of tracking there and and we're seeing now um, 
you know, in the past we saw a lot of IoT devices that would help you measure your workouts, and now we're seeing equipment that actually does the workout for you. It's sort of a, a digital uh, revamp of that vibrator belt that you used to see in those old cartoons. <laughs> so, yeah, we're seeing some interesting innovations there, and I think uh, that's going to be fun to, to actually take a look at those on the floor. This yeah, it's becoming more and more like Logan's Run um, to to a, to a certain extent. Without the um, part. <laughs> and and it's funny because you and I have talked about this, but it's like you see healthcare spilling into lifestyle, so that it's not just it's not just about medical, but right. it's also like how you're living. Right, and I think we're seeing a continuation of more and more apps that help us develop healthier habits that help us stand up straight you know that it's a lot of it is about monitoring uh not just your habits but like your physical is is my back straight or am i hunched over my keyboard and and it gives you a little beep or a zap to let you know that you're not doing that and calorie tracking and dna tracking and there's all different kinds of things that help us on a day-to-day basis, um, live better and healthier lives. Because that's ultimately what we all want to do. <laughs> that's serious. And what about what do you see um, as another bucket bucket of trends? So that's the sort of healthcare one. Um, what's a, what's another one in your world? Well, travel. This is a really big year for transportation at CES. Um, First of all, we've seen uh, Delta has taken up a huge section of the show floor, and uh, their CEO, Ed Bastian, will be giving one of the keynotes, and also U.S. Secretary of Transportation, Elaine Chow, will be delivering a keynote at CES. So this has become a big deal for them this year, um, and there's a lot of interesting things happening in that space. Uh, again, with the same types of technologies of, of AI and big data and, and uh, robotics. So, for example, uh, you know, everybody hates going to the airport because it's such a, an ordeal, right, to get through security. But we're thinking um, that ultimately your face is going to be your passport and facial recognition will get to the point where you can literally walk in the airport They'll scan your face, they'll scan your bags, they'll scan everything about you, and you won't have to go through that tedious uh, check-in process anymore. Um, so that's, that's, so, that's cool, right? That's yeah. a good thing? It is a good thing. But also companies are using data to make travel, uh, to take the trauma out of travel and make it frictionless. So they know when you get to the hotel what kind of room you like and where in the hotel you want to be and they set everything up for you ahead of time so instead of just using data to sell to you they're using data to delight you and make your experience uh, more wonderful and this is especially important because business leisure business travel and leisure travel or leisure they're calling it now oh my goodness it's, <laughs> it's <another laughs> thing you have to remember is becoming a big deal, um, partly because of ecotourism, right? People don't want, they, they understand the carbon footprint of taking a flight, so they want to make the most of that flight when it happens. So 
uh, they'll combine or extend a business trip with leisure, and uh, this leisure trend has increased the average business trip among this group from two nights to over six. So for hotels and groups like that, that's a pretty big deal. Um, and is it also because um, there's just this overall trend about having experiences rather than things? I think that's absolutely true. And um, I think it's also the, you know, these venues are uh, better at figuring out how to cater to families so that people can get both business and family time on a, on a trip. So. And that's sort of like how Vegas has become in a way. Right, right, exactly, exactly. And I think we're also seeing, you know, the Airbnb, the, the, they just came out, they have a big deal right now where they um, are going to sponsor uh, the Olympic Games. They've got a nine-year contract. And I think we're seeing that this kind of uh, technology the Airbnb uh, house sharing technology is going to drastically reduce the amount of housing infrastructure that needs to be built for these games. And that's another sign of how tourism and, and um, the earth ec- ecology are coming together uh, because these cities don't want to incur this massive bill and the, of the massive build that comes along with, you know, creating new housing for the Olympic groups. So that's pretty exciting. Um, we're also seeing that, uh, you know, robotics is becoming a bigger deal. Uh, there's a big uh, Alibaba just opened a hotel in uh, called Fly Zoo in China, and. Um, Everything is robotic, from the waiters to the bartenders to the delivery butlers. And you don't need a key anymore. It's all based on facial recognition. So when you walk up to your room, it opens up. And I think we're going to see a lot of ways where that uh, becomes more sort of simplified. Not to mention the fact that we now have the modern equivalent of a babblefish. So you can actually put a device in your ear that will let you instantly talk and translate in other languages. So I think we've seen, and that again is big data, AI, IoT, all coming together, 5G to make that possible. And is that really true? Like I've seen um, ads for that and I've seen, you know, devices, but are people really using it? Like is there true, you know, case studies happening out there? I haven't read any case studies about it, um, and I'm eager to actually, you know, watch one in action. But uh, I don't doubt it because the translation technology has been there. It's just the access to the database and the speed of the technology, which I think 5G is going to largely fix those problems. So I, I don't doubt that that is, if not here now, very, very close. And why now for for um, just why are these big companies finally sort of adopting all of this? I mean, I know for a couple of years ago we were all surprised because Carnival Cruises was on the CES floor. Um, so you know they're not like a vertical that generally would show up there. So you know, um, 
is this just a combination of where all businesses are going? I think it's it's a number of things. One is that the technology is really advanced to the point where um, these these devices and solutions move from being a novelty to being an actually useful tech. Uh, but also, I think we're seeing that you know the travel industry has to do two things: they have to simplify and they have to delight, and. Uh, Data is becoming accessible now and manageable to the point where instead of just collecting a mountain of data, which is something they've been doing for years, they can farm something useful out of that to make the customer experience better, to make their customer experience better than another competitor's customer experience. And those things that anything that eases that traveler's road is going to make you top of their list next time around. If if you know what temperature you like your shower and uh, you don't have to go through a checkout process because the hotel has, you know, f- checked your face out and says, okay, you've left the building. Anything that can speed that process so that you can spend more time having fun is going to help the travel industry do better. I mean, I love it when things are automated, um, except for when it doesn't help you. <laughs> right. You know, but anytime they make things easier, it's always like a, a really, a, 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 you know, a nice pleasure. Well, I think that's true. And I think, again, this is where personalization is such an important part of the thing, because what you consider helpful may not be the same thing that I consider helpful. But if the company can can understand my preferences well enough to know, oh, she does not want automatic checkout because she wants that receipt for her boss, whereas this person loves automatic checkout, eventually you're going to find that it just does what you need to and you don't even think about it anymore. It just happens. Right. That, that's what, that's when all this magic magic really happens. Um, mm-hmm. And, and what's, um, what's another tour, uh, a trend um, that we're, we're going to be seeing at CES? Well, I think we're we're looking at big changes in entertainment. Um, we talk about entertainment every year. It's a big part of who we are and how we live. Um, here's another mashup word for you. We had pleasure, and now we're going to have fidgetal. And fidgetal <laughs> is the combination of physical and digital. And we're really seeing these things coming together in interesting ways, uh, especially in, in retail. Um where we have a challenge because there's all these big box stores, right? And they have to compete with online stores. And online stores have certain advantages like easy search and you can do it in your underwear, right? You can shop in your underwear. But (laughs) physical stores have to offer the advantages of a physical store, which is that you can see and touch and smell, um, but offer some of these digital advantages as well. So we're seeing sort of a mixed physical and digital experience with uh, you can pick up the garment, but you don't actually have to try it on. You can hold it in front of you and an AR display will show you how you're going to look in that garment. Or, um, you know, when you go to Target now, you don't have to necessarily go inside. So you can set up your order and drive to the special premium parking spot and they'll bring out your order and you show them your mobile phone and it beeps and then they just give you your bag of stuff. So 
there's certain advantages, and and well, of course, Lowe's has a has the Lowbot, which is one of my other favorite sort of mashup words, <laughs> which is a, a robot that travels around the store that helps you uh, find things. So, especially if they can train it to um, not be condescending, I think that would make that experience. <laughs> Well, and th- and that really gets into one of the things that comes up so much for artificial intelligence is it has a ha- how it has our own prejudices built into whoever's programming it, right? Right, right. It always does, and and like we've seen a lot of controversy about facial recognition in the past, right? Because uh, facial recognition has in in the past it was better at determining some skin color types better than others, right? Right. And people are like, well, that's native to the tech. Well, no, not necessarily. Uh, For example, they found that the way that the room was lit had a profound impact on how well the system determined a match for certain skin colors. So if you set up your, if you calibrate your system for lighting for uh, white faces, then it's not going to be as good at, at reading black faces and vice versa. So this is something that uh, the prejudice and and um, un- the bi- bias right bias. of the of the people who are developing these systems and setting them up in the environment can impact everything about how they actually function. Yeah, it's 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 crazy when you think about it. It's like um, prejudice follows wherever we go, even in areas that we didn't anticipate. Right, right, and that's I think that's why they call it unconscious bias. It's not that somebody set out to, in this case, cause that problem, but it's the things that there are unexamined that are making them happen. Um, and so one of the big areas that we've been hearing about for the last month is the streaming wars, right? And all these new services launching. Um, how is that going to impact the year? Well, I think a lot of people are making some decisions about now, right? Because a big promise of the cable cutting was, oh, it's going to cost a lot less. Well, when you were only streaming with one or two premium companies, that may be true, but now, if you're choosing six different streaming companies or more um, to get your premium content, you may be back up to those large cable-esque bills that you were looking at before. Um, but it, it's it's a lot of choices are going to be made by people over the next couple of months about which of these services they're going to choose, if they're going to choose Disney or Apple or Peacock or HBO Max. And uh, also, I think an area that we're still really struggling with is discoverability. Um, for all the talk about the AI engines that each of these streaming services has about determining what you really want to watch, a lot of it is has been in the past really not as sophisticated as one might expect. And with this new competition, I think these companies are racing right now to figure out how to get better at that process of helping you find things that you really want to watch. Yeah, I, th- I think um, it's fascinating. Right now, I'm actually paying double because I'm I'm paying for the new streaming services, but I still have my main cable package, so I, I have to fix that <laughs> for sure. Um, now, we're going to take a break, and we're going to um, come back and hear from our text planner, Jeanette Tapati, more about 
what the future of entertainment looks like, and also get into some other trends that are going to be demonstrating on the floor of the largest technology show in North America, the Consumer Electronics Show. We happen to give tours there as story text, so if you need a tour, you'll let us know. But we, um, we're going to get back into what we're going to see, which is really a foreteller of um, the future of the consumer experience over the next few years. We'll be back in a moment on the Tech Cat Show. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to Lori at TechCat.tv. That's Lori at TechCat.tv. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the show. And we are doing our yearly consumer electronics trend explosion show. And we've been talking to Jeanette DePatty, Tech Explainer, who's also my partner on my story tech initiatives at a variety of trade shows where we walk around executives and explain to them why certain pieces of technology and new equipment, new trends matter to their business. And so Jeanette's been giving us an overview of what we expect to learn about at this year's Consumer Electronics Show, which is January uh, 7th through 11th. And um, it's really an amazing show. Um, You have to wear comfortable shoes and pack a protein bar and just get in there um, and walk around and see an amazing amount of things. But it's really important to understand the business significance of some of these trends, both as a business person and also as a consumer. How are these things going to impact the way you live your life? So we talked about healthcare. We talked about travel and we were just getting into entertainment. We finished up on the streaming war. So what are some of the other things happening in entertainment that are going to be impacted this year, Jeanette? Well, I think one big thing with the 2020 Olympics coming up is it's it's a big year for sports. Uh, Tokyo is going to be broadcasting in 8K. 
something that not many of us have in our uh, living rooms yet, but I, I think they're coming, these 8K projectors. And I think especially, well, tele- 8K televisions and projectors. And I think as the screens get bigger and bigger, we are seeing a move towards these very short throw projectors because nobody wants a 200-inch television in their house. So <laughs> we're just dedicating a wall to or screen a drop-down screen for watching uh, TV. But we're also seeing, you know, eSports is, is continuing to grow at a, a, a rapid pace. And uh, we're seeing, like, the uh, ESPN now covers the NFL nine, or the NFL Madden championships, which is like playing football on uh, video game consoles. Um, and it was such a big deal that now they're doing like a documentary about the esports gaming of the tele. It's like it's really meta. It's it's crazy, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but I think you know we're seeing uh, VR is still big in gaming but outside of gaming it's more moving towards the AR and the the XR the mixed reality and the augmented reality and now they're kind of mixing them all up and calling them extended reality but um, but that's what we're seeing more of in the non-gaming home space and with the with the esports piece, I was m- most surprised. I interviewed a sort of esports um, celebrity, and you know he talked about that there's a real rigor um, to to being an esports player because one, there's just the physical demands of having dexterous hands and being able to sit and stay focused for long periods of time. So there's actually things that that he has to do to keep his body and mind and hands involved in that but he's also a business person so he's thinking about merchandising and he's thinking about extending his brand and so in the end it becomes another celebrity experience it really is and i mean uh, you know we'd love to make fun of it but the truth is that there is a lot of rigor in that training um and and uh there's a lot of money to be made both by the athletes and by the shows that highlight these athletes because they become celebrities just like any other celebrity that you'd see out there. And there are millions of dollars at stake for winning these esports tournaments. Although personally, I, I want to get their bladder training because that has to be epic. I'm just, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also like he, he was telling me he's in his early 30s and he's already bought his parents a house, himself a house. I mean, it's it's a, it's big money when you get to that place, right? Into that, yes. cra- that, cra- that crazy, crazy place. Um, and, hours and hours and hours every single day to train for this. The, well, the, and the, the other thing that I heard about that I thought was really interesting when, when talking about your XR um, trend or MR trend is that people are dedicating um, sort of rooms for virtual reality in their homes. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're actually carving out space because you do have to move around and you have to move around safely. I can't tell you how many times, because I love my Facebook Quest, um, and I'm plugging it not because I get anything out of that, but it is really one of my favorite investments. I've hidden it from my 10-year-old because I don't want her <laughs> continuously asking for it. Um, it is just the most fabulous thing, but 
I often am hitting things, you know, so um, it's this interesting adjustment to what will be our homes to manage all these new forms of entertainment. I think that's true, and and we're going to be talking about that um, a little bit down the road when we talk about the future of technology being invisible or transparent. Instead of, like, bringing more equipment into your home, you're making blank spaces in your home for these things to happen. So if it's like a, a wall for your for your projector, you know, you're not bringing a huge piece of equipment in. You're clearing the wall to become a canvas or an open space for you to experience technology in. And I think the same thing is true with this with this um, VR room with, because, you know, it's it, it the worst thing is if you if you put on your Oculus Quest and you crash into your 200-inch television and then you have a real mess, right? So that's what that's what this invisibility thing is all about. Uh, um, I I am um, definitely thinking about ways to expand my house to include a space for this. I actually did see people buying blow-up, you know, like blow-up dens. If that's a good way to explain it, like full-on rooms that are just basically like what you would consider a jumpy house. Right. You know. Um, Crazy, crazy. Well, what what's another another big trend? I know we have a, a few, and the show, by the way, the a Consumer Electronics Show is just getting bigger and bigger every year. Right now, the LVCC, um, which was the first place that the show took place, and now it's expanded to the Sands Expo, the other large convention center, is actually in the middle of a renovation, and it's growing bigger. So um, I can only imagine what the coming years are going to look like um, at CES. But what, what, what else is going on there? Well, uh, the future looks urban. Uh, increasingly, we're moving to cities. Over 55% of the world population currently lives in cities. And we're expected to hit close to 70% over the next um, 20, 30 years. So... What this means is that as city dwellers, we're more dependent on the infrastructure that we need from day to day to survive, whether it's trucking in food or managing electricity or whatever. So there's a real focus right now on resilience in your urban environment. And that's the idea that everything you need to stay fed, warm, safe, powered, and comfortable because as these things come together and as the infrastructure becomes more enmeshed, it also becomes more vulnerable or fragile in a certain way. So there's a lot of uh, entrance into this space to help keep technology up and running in the face of cyber crime, in the face of physical, uh, like nat- natural disasters like um, earthquakes and floods. I mean, we've seen here in Southern California this year where because of fear of fire, the entire electronic grid is shut down for days at a time. And and uh, so people are looking at new ways to have a certain independence from the grid, anything from individual solar power to different technologies that farm water out of the air. Uh, so that when these grids go down, they have alternatives. But we're also seeing um, this idea of DRAS, disaster recovery as a service. 
because it's really a specialized thing, and and this sort of everything as a service trend uh, is is playing out this way, and that's where companies come in, and their job is to future-proof your tech for disaster and also come in and fix things if a disaster should happen. So that's something that's kind of interesting. Um, they, um, the thing that I think is the most interesting about the resilience technologies, first of all, I don't even think I ever thought of the word resilient outside of like a person mm-hmm. until, until last year when we first saw this popping up. And I think so much of it is because of what's happening in climate control and, um, you know, all these disasters where we're really forced to deal with, with, um, things like we've never dealt with before. Right. Uh, you know, um, and like the, one of my favorite examples was like tires that could could work without, um, you know, air mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and just and just, you know, new resourceful ways of looking at things, which I think in the end will lead us to better use of technology anyway. I think you're really right. And and I think um, a part of it is. Uh, corrective because we've allowed so much of our technology infrastructure to uh, to go without being um, maintained properly, right? That, that's what we're definitely seeing with the electronic grid um, or the electricity grid here in Southern California is that because the infrastructure wasn't maintained properly, the Santa Ana winds come and all of a sudden you you can't have electricity because you know a generator blows and then uh, there's a massive wildfire as a result and this is all a culmination of climate change and and uh, poor infrastructure management um, that that is causing us to look at this in new ways and it's it's for people it's for systems it's for companies it's for pets and animals and all everything else and and is the resilience also backed into sustainability, which I know is another theme? Like we have quite a few clients asking, um, you know, for sustainable solutions, which shouldn't be a separate category, but I guess right now it is. It it can be, uh, yeah. I think that there there is a sense of uh, how do I lower my footprint how do I make sure I have enough moving forward but but also like personal safety we're seeing more work in terms of uh, smart locks and and uh, camera systems that run around the house um, you know the porch pirates are finding a tougher and tougher time because not only are they identified on the uh, ring camera but they're also you know yelled at and the police are called and and so we're seeing, uh, again, where these systems are integrating together. It's not just a camera. It's a personal safety device. It's, it's attached to the police department. There are uh, cameras that detect when a wildfire might happen and, and uh, use different uh, visual and thermal technologies to determine, um, you, you know, the situation about your home and how to keep it safe. Yeah, it's like a whole—it's a whole category of uh, of technology that you wouldn't think would be a category, but it is. Yes, yes, you're right, and we're also seeing, you know, this move towards smart cities, and uh, that is not only the detection things that we've been talking about, but also 
um, autonomous vehicles and autonomous driving and ride sharing, um, which we had a little bit of a, a adolescent year for that. Um, some of the dockless bike and scooter companies have not taken responsibility for what happens when their equipment is left in inappropriate places. So we've seen um, uh, scooters in the bay and, and <laughs> you know, where people have just gotten so frustrated with these vehicles, they've picked them up and dumped them in the water, which is not good either. <laughs> <laughs> but people are so obnoxious when they're riding on them is the thing. Well, there's a lot of issues. There's one is that they're they are not necessarily trained to ride those things properly. Two, they're a liability both to themselves and the people on the road, and nobody's really addressing how to handle that additional liability. And three, I mean, if we look at uh, customer behavior, I mean, it's it's great that you want to do a ride sharing or a home sharing or whatever, but you have to look at how that technology will impact the people around you, your neighbors. And uh, I think that we found some of these some of these um, dockless bike and scooter companies have not been particularly good neighbors, and uh, they've suffered <laughs> as a result. So that said, um, the autonomous vehicle business is marching on. Uh, a lot of sort of predictions about you know, level four, level five autonomous vehicles, meaning cars that really, truly drive, them, drive themselves. That had been made for 2020. Um, a number of the companies have sort of backpedaled a little bit because 2020 isn't quite it. Um, it's going to take a little longer than some anticipated. Uh, but uh, there's certainly all of the major car manufacturers are, are uh, devoting major efforts to this. And um, I think that's something that we're definitely going to see soon. Um, you know, there's been a few uh, major drawbacks, like uh, the the Tesla truck window smashing incident, but <laughs> but it's still moving forward as a whole. For Elon Musk, that was a bad demo day. Well, the um, the uh, the thing that's so interesting, especially for those of us who live in Los Angeles, is Los Angeles is really being set up as sort of the mobility headquarters for the United States with a lot of investment going on in startups, um, a lot of events, and a lot of just focus on the state that was sort of the center of the Roger Rabbit, you know, kill public transport world is now sort of circling back to those roots and looking at mass transport as sort of a new gold rush. Well, we have no choice. I mean, we uh, in California, we have... A difficult transportation environment in that we are um, very spread out. The city of Los Angeles, uh, you know, Los, An Los Angeles County is well over 100 miles from end to end, um, yet very, very dense with population, and um, our traffic is, you know, epic and world-renowned. And so uh, the pain point of getting around in certain parts of California is intense, and uh, I think when you start talking about taking three or four hours out of your life just to get from here to there, there's a strong incentive to do something and explore other options. So I think uh, it's not that surprising that it's come back around to being a big deal here in California. 
Uh, now, we have one last trend that I know you wanted to talk about that I think is really interesting. It's a little hard to wrap your head around initially, but uh, but it's kind of spot on. Um, so can you, can you explain it to us? Right. It's the idea that tech is going to become um, what I'm calling transparent or invisible. So we went from the interface of a punch card to the interface of typing on a keyboard to voice interface to gestural inter- interface. I think we're going to ultimately see that a lot of the interface between you and your tech is going to go away. It's going to use sensors to determine what is, and it's going to use AI to determine what you want. And it's just going to know based on that data. So instead of going into your kitchen at 5 o'clock and saying, you know, Alexa, set the lights for dinner, it'll know that you have dinner at 5 o'clock. It'll recognize your face, and it'll set it up without you interfacing with the tech in any way. And I think we're going to see more and more of this. Like, and as I, and as I was mentioning, like the the giant TV, it's really not so much having a giant TV as having space for TV to happen, and having space in your house for VR to live in. I think we're going to see more and more of that. Uh, and I and I think that is really a combination of the speed and the personalization. And um, and the tech, all all of the again the mashup that you talked about at the beginning of the show. Right, right. It just happens seamlessly and silently behind the scenes in your life, and everything just magically occurs the way you want it to. That's and right. and that that's the funny thing about artificial intelligence, and even to a certain extent, five G and some other things, is that they have been happening. It's just that we hear the negative hype all the time. And so we all of a sudden are like, oh, my God, this is happening. When really AI has been sort of getting uh, more expansive in terms of technology um, implementation over the last few years. And I always tell my friends, like, do you like it when your map app reminds you to, to leave? Or, you know, do you like the fact that you're now taking the most amazing pictures in the world? <laughs> <laughs> Right. You know, that's all this technology that we're talking about, but it's integrated in a way that's non-threatening. Right, right. And, and it's, you know, I think some people see it as losing their independence, but really it gives you the independence to focus on the things you care about and the luxury to not have to focus on the things that you don't. Right. It's it's um it's what personalization will always ultimately do is make everything really relevant to you and the rest you can ignore. Um, so we've been talking to the fabulous Jeanette Tapati, who is a tech explainer, and Jeanette will be part of the team at StoryTech giving tours on the show floor of the Consumer Electronics Show happening in Las Vegas um, the second week of January, and it is the biggest uh, technology show in North America, and I think the biggest show in Vegas. Am I correct, Jeanette? That is correct. About 170,000 people to descend, really, upon um, Las Vegas, but it's a show that really sets your year for understanding the business trends um, around technology and how it will impact your life as a consumer and uh, and anything that you are selling, marketing, or doing as a business. Um, what What's the one thing that you're really looking forward to checking out, Jeanette, before we sign off? 
Oh, I I want to I want Uber to gift me with their uh, helicopter rides. I want free Uber helicopter rides in Los Angeles. That would make my <laughs> lifetime. I'm looking forward to that. Well, and and that's another great point is that um, right now we know this just as a fact and also because we're excited about potentially giving some tours at the North American Auto Show, but um, uh, CS has become one of the biggest auto shows there is, and so heading out there and checking out the North Hall and really understanding what's happening in that space, as we mentioned in the mobility theme, um, is going to be tremendous. So I'm really looking forward to, like, what's going to be my next car or will I even own a car is the thing that I'm really excited about. You know, what will that look like for me, you know, as a working mom? How will it impact our, our day-to-day? I'm still holding out for a flying car, darn it. I'm still holding out. <laughs> it I'm can kidding. happen. I just wonder what accidents and insurance are going to look like. <laughs> oh, what a buzzkill. It's true, but yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, we hope you, um, you, you enjoyed this little preview into what's coming on the show floor next year at the Consumer Electronics Show, a little look and taste into the technology trends that – we will be looking at in 2020. This is Lori H. Schwartz, your tech cat on the on the Tech Cat Show, and the fabulous Jeanette DePatty as well. And we'll be coming back to you in 2020 with more technology trends that are impacting your business. So everybody, have a great week and a great holiday. Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Cat Show. Please join Lori H. Schwartz again for another great program next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel and syndicated to the Voice America Women's Channel. 